you cannot grow a company without growing people. And therefore, you can't grow yourself if you're a solopreneur without growing yourself. You just can't do it. So don't get frustrated. Don't be mad at yourself. If you're not growing, it's because you're not putting time into you. Your money won't grow without you. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Okay, welcome to the Expertish Podcast. This week we've got Chris Prefontaine with us today. How's it going, Chris? Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, out on the East Coast. So, how's everything going over there? It's going good. I did my accent already give it away. I only said a few words, so <laughs> uh, just a little bit. But then I, you know, you did send out some gifts, and I got your uh, Wicked Smart T-shirt, right? So uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. It's pretty cool. Love it. You bet. Well, hey, Chris, we'd really appreciate your time today. You know, I know, I know you're busy. I know I started reading a couple of the books that you sent out and, you know, first great information. I love some of the differences in the writing style, especially in the new rules book. I yeah. love how there was a lot of storytelling and it wasn't just, you know, basic information. There was people telling their own stories, little, you know, bite-sized pieces throughout the book. I think that makes for a, a much, uh, I don't know, and I don't want to say easier read, but just a, a little bit more engaging read. I agree. Yeah, I can follow it and I get bored easy. So to me, it's quick reads are better. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I really like the way that was set up for me personally. Let's get a little bit of your background, if you don't mind. Sure. So I've been at this 30 years, so I won't go all the way back, but it just, it runs the gamut from uh, leaving a family company, jumping into real estate in 1991, building a bunch of homes, then owning a realty executives franchise, kind of put my realtor hat on, never did that. Sold that to Cobalt Banker in 2000. Um, everybody said, you can't sell a brokerage. I sold it to them. And then I went off and did my own investments after that and coaching throughout Canada and US. And the, my own investment piece led to the, uh, the crack of 08. So uh, unfortunately for uh, the nation, uh, that was a tough time. And uh, that caused us to pivot though, because I got beat up pretty badly. Um, so out, coming out of that, we re-engineered the whole business to what it is today, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's a, that's a very important part too. We talk quite a bit about paying attention to what's around you and what opportunities, you know, especially people starting off, right? Uh, a lot of times someone will read a book and think this is, and I get this question a lot. They'll read a certain way of uh, investing, a certain way of getting into real estate. And I start getting those questions like, hey, I want to do this. And maybe that's not right for them at the time. And it's, you know, they're starting off or it's just not really that feasible. And it's kind of paying attention to what opportunities really exist at that point in time, where you are, uh, you know, what means you have to work with and having to re-engineer. How early did you see that you needed to start working on that? Was it, you know, after the impact or, or did you start seeing it come and, you know, pivoting earlier. I wish I could tell you I was that smart. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I waited way, way, way too long. So I foolishly, even though at that time I was in the business, so that would have been what year, like 18 or whatever mm -hmm. it was. I've been at 30. And so you'd think I would have known, but I just kept riding it like it was an ATM. And when it hit, I can tell you it was like it was yesterday. In February of 08, February of 08, it's in my book. I talk about just the light bulb just kind of went on and it was like a switch went off, meaning the bank stopped funding uh, values crash and some of my projects by two thirds, not one third. So it was pretty ugly. And, and then 
So, so I wish I could tell you I even pivoted then, but what I did is I had to unbury for four years. So it wasn't until about February of 12, four years later, that I kind of had the confidence to get back in the game and, and doing that, redefine how we're going to do it. And that has lived with us to this day. Uh, you couldn't have convinced me back then. It was a good thing. But because of that, we're crushing it today uh, in every market and we'll continue to because we've built it to, to survive all cycles. And so I'm excited now. But again, if you told me that in February of 08, I would have thought you should be in the funny farm because I, I was not having fun for four years. Right, right. But didn't give up, made it work. Now, now you're back at it for sure. I was going to ask a little bit later probably, but the uh, real estate on your terms, I was reading that in the book. And can you talk to us a little bit about, about what that means? Yeah. So real estate on your terms simply means you defining the parameters. Now I defined them and I created the system and trademarked it and all that good stuff. But it does mean within the parameters of how we do deals, you define you you define what you want for a deal, you define who you're dealing with, it's on your terms. Now, what does terms mean? Just to, everybody kind of sees that from a different angle. But for us, terms is lease purchase, owner financing, or buying subject to existing financing. That's it. And, and I say that's it it's so, so dominantly because that means no signing on loans. We do not, do not, do not pledge our personal signature on any debt ever. And because that's what I went through in 08. And, and for those of you out there that say, well, it's okay, I have good credit and I do two or three loans at a time, I will tell you it's gonna sting you. At some point in your life, it's gonna sting you and it's not pretty and nothing against bankers, but they don't care. So if you're gonna sign personally on a loan, you are getting a knock on the door or a call and it's not, it's not pretty when the market changes. Um, not to mention, I'm talking residential, not to mention commercial can and will be called at any time and you can't control it five years in you, so just be careful with that so that's that's what that was my experience and and, and that would, took a long time to pivot uh, but I can sleep a lot better and I'll tell you that uh, now knowing that I control you know as a community we control about 80 million in real estate we are not on one loan right. and I'm very comfortable with that <laughs> right to, right went to wait with 23 properties and being on every single one of them personally because I had good credit right right yeah definitely definitely uh, a little bit of a different story then huh how long did it take you to, or, you know, really establish the new system? Was it a, a work in progress for a bit or how was that yeah. engineered? I mean, the reason that's a cool question is I don't care what you do. If you listen to the show, if you're an entrepreneur, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you two examples. I always say to students, my mode has always been, Hey, find an issue. Like if it's us, great. I'm not so naive to think there's a whole bunch of niches, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. So find one you like, and then you can get behind second, find someone in it. That's still active. That's where you want to be that you can relate to value wise and morally and ethically. Cause that's important. You're going right. to hang out and do stuff together. And then third, put your blinders on for three years. If you do that, you'll have a great experience, but, but how long did it take us? Uh, Brian Tracy, everybody knows Brian Tracy. Brian was on my show about uh, a month ago now. Mm-hmm. And I gave him my three-year thing like that. And he said, no, 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 Chris, he's 82 now. He said, every entrepreneur is going to go through a seven-year cycle if they want to be successful and not a day sooner. And he said, the first few years, you're going to suck. Those are the exact same words. Second few, you're going to feel like, okay, I kind of get in the hang of it. In the last three, you're going to create a fortune. The reason you could say that confidently, now I agree with him in hindsight, because by then you, you do got, you got it. Right. So to answer your question, that was a long answer. To answer your question, yeah, it took time. It started with me and then it started with my son coming in and part-time and then my son-in-law, my daughter, and now a massive team. So it took time. We're at about the eight-year mark of mm-hmm. the property business and the coaching business. 
and we are firing on all cylinders. Why? Brian Tracy's point. <laughs> it takes <Right. laughs> about a seven-year cycle. And then I said, uh, John Gordon was on our show, huge author. You probably heard of him. Mm-hmm. And I said that to him, the seven-year cycle. He said, no, 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 no. It could take people 15 years. It could take them six. He said, nobody's the same. So I thought that was interesting. Takes yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, well, that's uh, just goes to the point of, Hey, everybody is different. Right. And it, and everybody's set up differently. Like, you know, you've built a, sort of a family team slash family, you know, business yeah, yeah. where, uh, you know, some people may be doing solo, you know, and it's just going to be them and right. mentors. Uh, so, and I do think that that's important too, as you mentioned, finding that mentor or mentors, I believe also you can take from, I think it's really important to have more than one you know, to whatever level and whatever degree, because they're going to bring different things to the table, different perspective to the table as well. Well, I, I agree with that. Good, huge point, because here's here's what I also will share. In 08, and then my other hiccup was like 94. So in 30 years, I've had two hiccups in my business. One was that national crisis and one was because of me. But about three years ago, I realized, hey, when I look back to those times, I was trying to analyze what the heck happened besides the market. And it was, I did not have a mentor or a coach at that time because I got too cocky and comfortable. I said, I got it. And so I got caught, so to speak, with my pants down because I couldn't go to turn to anyone and for help. So now to your point, we always as a team and then individually, we call it specialized training. Every trimester we pick, we make sure every team member has a personal specialized training and then part of a team training. And we pick a mentor or coach that next segment we need, if that makes sense. So yeah. always looking at what's next. Yeah, no, I think that's a great and great way to do it. Keep it, keep it fresh for sure. This episode is brought to you by Voris, a strategic sales advisor for early stage startups. At Voris, we'll add a startup sales expert to your team without the cost and commitment of hiring full time. We offer sales and SDR advisory for teams serious about exceeding their goals as well as strategy and process recommendations to help accelerate growth. Let us tell you exactly what to focus on to dramatically improve your results. We help early stage startups hit their revenue goals and you are only one click away from more revenue. Forrest.com. I know for me starting out, you know, I was military for most of my life. So getting into kind of just my own business thing more, more so than just, you know, uh, dabbling. I had three coaches probably after the first year because I needed financial, you know what I mean? Just to make sure I was setting up financially properly, all the different aspects, you know, it doesn't do well to make money if you can't keep it either or, (laughs) or grow it properly. And just quick pause. Thank you for, for your service and for any veterans that are listening. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, mostly that, you know, that's most of our bread and butter and what we, you know, choose again, choosing who you get to work with, you know, the veteran community is kind of what we focus on trying to get people kind of off the fence and investing uh, in whatever it is, even if it's not with us with real estate or anything like that, but just kind of that financial education and, and a little hopefully motivation to see that anybody can do that and get off the fence and get in the game a little bit. Well, I'm a huge fan. Uh, so I'll insert this if I may. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan. Number one, number two, I think it's great energy that you're doing that. Uh, we had Shiloh Harris, uh, Sergeant Shiloh Harris. If you Google him, amazing, amazing story. He, he was mm-hmm. his pumpy was blown up. Ninety something percent of his body was burnt. He spoke at one of our events. He's a huge fan of mine. Uh, if you haven't seen him, look him up. Show him some love because he's doing some great things out there for vets. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, we'll do for sure. Well, very cool. How about then kind of on what we're talking about right now, the grow your business, you must grow yourself 
as soon as I saw that, I 100% agree. And as soon as I saw that, it kind of stuck out. But can you give us a little bit of a insight into what you think of when you're talking about that? Yeah. Um, so Mento said to me, I'm trying to think when this would have been, back around 2009-ish, he said, Chris, your income will never, any business as such, uh, at the same time, will never outgrow you meaning you got to constantly develop. I've heard just talk about different ways from different mentors, but he said to me, if your income goes above kind of your skill level, your development level, your, your mental level, mindset, it'll come back down. It's, it's not, it's not going to out earn you. It can't. Uh, Ed Milet, another amazing guy, he was on my show and he called it like, he went through this whole thing like a thermostat. Right. And he said, your thermostat's going to cool it off if you're not, if your mental capacity and your skill set's not up there. So all that to say, you cannot grow a company. You just can't without growing people. And therefore you can't grow yourself if you're a solopreneur without growing yourself. You just can't do it. So don't don't get frustrated. Don't be mad at yourself. If you're not growing, it's because you're not putting the time into you. That's it. Your money won't grow without you. Yeah, that's I 100% I agree with that too. And I've seen that uh, kind of to your point of when, you know, for instance, your crash you've had the, or the two hiccups that you've had. I've also seen that once people get to a certain level of income or earning, it's easier for them to get back at least to that level very quickly and then grow from there. So, you know, if people have setbacks, they tend to, to be able to jump very quickly back to that, I guess, that thermostat level and, uh, you know, and then back to trying to grow from there again. Yeah. You know why? Here's another analogy. We all have like this comfort zone, right? If I was drawing it, but let's just picture a circle. That's, that's mm-hmm. my comfort zone. That's your comfort zone, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, however big or small. So what I said to one of my, we have a high level coaching program and they work with me personally. And I had them all on a, a Zoom call last week because that's what we do now. Right. And I said, hey guys, this weekend, I want you to disrupt your comfort zone because until you do that, you're not going to grow, period. We all we all go back to the comfort zone when things get tough. So they said, what do you mean? I said, I want you to go this weekend and disrupt it by going to see something that's uncomfortable. I don't care if it's a car or a house or a person do something to, to, to disrupt that circle and it'll grow. So one woman went climbed the top of this mountain where she and her husband want to build a house. Another person went to the beachfront because they want to build a house. That, that's what they did. And they came out of that week and go, wow, that was so cool. And they just thought differently. So that so they'll never go back now. That circle just right. going to expand. And it's like when you yank a rubber band, it never goes back to the same, even though we can't see it. Right. It never goes back to the exact same size. So same logic there. Right. Yeah. That No, I like that analogy for sure. I've used a different one before when I was talking with people kind of on uh, like people getting in shape or getting overweight or, you know, like we all have ups and downs at some points you lose your consistency, but I feel like it's a similar thing. Even our body has that kind of homeostasis point where this is where it'll return to, you know, you get in really, really good shape, but get a setback, you get injured, just get off your routine. You're going to go back to whatever degree you were. Um, if you do that too long, you're going to, you know, kind of blow up a little bit, but you can get back to that, that one point fairly easily. Then it's, you know, kind of a a tougher point to go beyond that. But I kind of feel like it's almost like a universal law that that's just, just how things work, you know? Well, it's kind of, it's kind of survival. If you think about it, I'm going to go back, you know, like animals, right? Mm-hmm. Like back in the day, like they sneak out to gather food and they go back, they go in the same route. So it's just a rut. The comfort zone is nothing more than a rut that we, that right. we go back into. Yeah, for sure. That is very true. Next one I wanted to ask about was perfect triangle, because I know um, I've seen different versions, not, I wouldn't say versions of perfect triangle, but different things that incorporate some of the factors of that. So how about that a little bit? Yeah. So that for me was, 
uh, like this. Again, if I could draw, just picture a triangle uh, on the left side. If the triangle's point is up, um, and then we got we got two sides and, and then the base, right? The left side is just simply being part of a movement, whatever that is for you. That for me, that's the Wicked Smart community, what we're doing as a family, as an empowering individuals and families to create the life of their dreams. That's ours. And then if you can be part of, on the right side of the triangle, part of a movement that's changing lives, including your own. Right. So your part of a movement is changing lives plus your own. And then the base of the triangle then is, as a result, the people you're changing lives in yours will be rewarded financially. Because we are directly, kind of like the development thing, we are directly paid by the value we bring to whomever, whatever tribe you're serving. And so I'm constantly looking to strengthen that perfect triangle mm -hmm. by serving more and more and more and more people in our community. That's it. I mean, this right. is not brain science. It's like the development stuff we talked about. It's right. magical when you do it. Yeah. And I think it, it visits the whole starting with that, you know, that first side of the triangle for you to fix a problem. If you can identify a problem in your field, I mean, it's just such a, that's, that's where you start and you just try to get better and better at fixing that problem or come up with solutions for that problem. And I, I think if more people focus on that, um, initially, then the rest starts to fall in place as well. I, I agree. I wrote, I'm writing out two things. So don't forget to say it. When you say fix a problem here, here are the two things that, that we attacked mm -hmm. and still do because it's a big, it's a big endeavor. One is one problem. One, all these years in real estate, prior to wait, I, I love real estate, clearly. It's what I, I, I thrive on. I don't get bored because it always changes. I get bored easy. So, but the thing is, we, I was getting paid once on every deal. When I was a broker, I got paid once. When I was a builder, I got paid once. When I was a flipper, I got paid once. When I, my wife did rehabs, we got paid once. So we, we trademarked in the United States a three payday system that gets you on one deal now money, later money, and cash flow. That's a business model that any business would love. Restaurants, right. doesn't matter. So that's one problem we fixed. And we're, now we're spreading the word. The second one is, there's just too much crap, in my opinion, out there uh, in the marketplace with mm -hmm. education in real estate, in all yes. the other industries, but in real estate. And I know some, and it's, I won't say names, but I know some people, I have conversations with other educators who say, I don't care about the coaching, Chris. I don't care about if they do a deal. That's our whole focus. They think I'm nuts. Right. They care how much they can sell. One mm -hmm. gentleman can sell, he sells like seven or eight million dollars in product per month. Mm -hmm. He does not care what happens after that. To me, that's bogus. Right. So our mission is to, uh, as a company, it's called the Kingdom Tower mission, is to create transactions that we have numbers and metrics with it, but transactions with who? Students. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference. Right. So it's not, hey, sell a course, good luck. We, we knew our stuff, so we sold it to you. No, it's let's walk our arms and do deals. Now that's changing lives. Right, Those and it's- and Bill's not just that family, it's just a, a really a synergistic effect um, as that grows, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's brilliant. It's blue. People don't yeah. leave when they're doing deals, right? Yeah, that's oh. true. And if they enjoy the people they're working around to do them. Yep, family. <laughs> yeah. Can you give me uh, give me an example of not not say the market uh, you know crash or something, but how about an example of one of your, let's say, worst deals or something, you know, a big learning step, I guess, along your way? Since 08, like the newer deals? Man, the whole bunch. I could sit here and write another whole book on the problems, right? That's called real estate. But, <laughs> right. Um, well, here, here's a simple one. My son-in-law came to the business. Uh, he joined me at the end of 15 and my daughter. And she had experience. She grew up in the business. But he had zero. And so I had to train him just like I would a student. Mm -hmm. And he was a bartender and a personal trainer, far removed from real estate. Uh, grew up with no dad. So picture this now because I want the students to hear this. 
I'm going to answer your question with this. So he went from that to now doing hundreds of deals around the country with himself and you know Austin students. Now, why am I saying that when you said the worst deals? So his very first deal <laughs> was a subject to purchase we did. And that subject to had some hiccups. Long story short, we had to do a D-led job in that house. And that cost us $32,000. Now, some investors might say, okay, no big deal. Well, it's a big deal when I teach and buy property and secure property with no money down and I don't rehab them. So now when you have, if I did a lead job, 32 grand, that's a problem. That came out <laughs> of the property. So uh, that was his first deal. And now the rest is history. Uh, coincidentally, he has a closing coming up. We do, but he right. did the deal right. on uh, the, the following month. It's, we're about a month away by one day. And it's a, the payday three alone is a little over 330 grand. So oh, wow. did he transition pretty nicely? Yes. So the, the bad deals are learning curves. I say to my coaches, oh, you have all these problems? Awesome. They go, what do you mean awesome? Next time a student comes, you know how to fix that. Yeah. And I, I say for me personally, and I think most people, I will learn the first time on something bad. When something goes wrong, if things are going yeah. well, you, you don't know what you're learning. It just goes well. And sometimes you don't, I mean, you gain experience, but it's not the same as a big struggle or, or one that you really have to push over the finish line, you know? Oh, I definitely, I agree because success is a real shitty teacher, period. <laughs> it so is. here's why I'm saying that for everybody to listen to this. If you are following, I'm going I'm to yell to your audience now, if you're following people, when I say following, if you're listening to advice, you're operating, everything you do is based on their advice, not just a little bit, a lot. Mm-hmm. And they were post-08. Maybe they had some testing when COVID came, mm-hmm. uh, meaning they got they got tested, right? But other than that, they had no tests. Mm-hmm. The, the economy hasn't shifted yet. So please, please, please be careful because success is a shitty coach. And one of the podcast hosts like yourself called it. I didn't. He did. He said, Chris, that's new money and that's dangerous, meaning they haven't had the test True. yet. Please be careful if you're if you're a listener and you're doing anything in real estate. Make sure you're following someone who's weathered storms, both personal and economic. Because to your point, Jay, that's important. That like that's important to have lessons like that. Yeah, very true. And I think it's also important for people to to look back. You know, a lot of people obviously a lot of people weren't around to or at an age to do some of the things you know earlier on or or recognize uh, some of the other I guess just market type of situations before, but I do see that a little bit too, or people who maybe have only been adults in, you know, the last 10, 12 years or something. And everything is based on now. And so if, for instance, like uh, rates, so people get free, like, oh my gosh, the rates go over 4% over 5%, like, you know, just residential. Yeah. And I'm thinking my first, my first home in the nineties was like uh, 10%, 10.5%. And it still made money. You know what I mean? It's a different world, but it was, you know, it still made money and you just have to pay attention and and do the right things at the right, you know, still just paying attention and doing what's best at that time. But don't be discouraged because we can't stay where we are forever. And that doesn't mean real estate uh, investing is going to go away or any kind of investing, but it's just never, we can't stay at two, 3% forever. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. I guess, again, I'm thankful for those experiences as well, but not so much, I guess those wouldn't be necessarily the mistake part, but just the fact of being ignorant on my first couple purchases where I didn't even know really what a rate was. I just knew that I could, I mean, I knew what they were, but I, I just was happy that I could get into a home at that, at that point. Um, and then after that, you kind of, as things go down or you learn more, you're like, Oh man, now it's like a gift. You know, when, yeah. when you have some, a better situation, it's, you see it as a gift, not like as a, this is the way it always is. 
Now, there's a fine line here. I was just thinking when you were saying that. Here's mm-hmm. the fine line. When I started in uh, 91-ish, mm-hmm. I remember my first deal being kind of a house that had to be separated with land. And we built a duplex. Like, it was a kind of a complex deal in hindsight. I look back. Right. And I think, who the heck was I as a young 20-something-year-old to think, oh, that I can just run with this? Like, I was so naive that I did it. Yeah. So there's a, there's a fine line. So so if you had someone following you or helping you, watching you during that, go go far. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, is my son-in-law Zach someone that I would tell you you should follow now? You know he's been in the business seven years. Yes, I've been with him for seven years. He, he he's learned all of my stuff. So right. so just just research your person you're talking. That's right. Yeah. No, that's a good point too. For sure. For sure. Um, what about as far as okay? We talked about some of those hiccups. How about your uh, kind of your biggest success, you'd say it could be at any time in your career, but what would you consider the, the largest success? And was it largest success because of financially successful or just the, you know, the project that you enjoyed the most or people you enjoyed uh, the most? Okay. I guess. I'll answer this two ways. Uh, and I haven't done this like in this manner. So when we went through the, the crash, um, many people prior to the crash said to me, Chris, you should be selling your house. We had a big home overlooking the water. You should be selling the house. What are you thinking about? Get rid of your overhead. I didn't listen. My ego said, no, 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 no. I can dig up. Mm-hmm. And when the crack really hit hard, my wife finally said, here's what we're going to do. She was just fed up. We're going to move into this one-bedroom apartment. Now, picture this. Two and a half million dollar home, two acres overlooking water, one-bedroom apartment. Right. That was pathetically gross, and we had to rehab it for the landlord. Okay? <laughs> so why am I calling that a success? The reason that was a success is once I did that, we live, I said to her, I'll do it for six months. I'll live there for six months. It was disgusting. And we, we made it nice. She said, okay. We lived there for six years, almost to the day. And during that six years, rebuilt my entire life, my entire portfolio, my entire cash position. Why? Because I had no steamroller, my father used to call it, behind me, i.e. bills, IRS, people repossessing cars. I had all that. Yeah. So once I changed, that was an enormous success to this day. Instead of telling you all the ones we've made since then, mm-hmm. built this this awesome family company, it was that move that got us here years ago. Right. No, that's Five great. Five. That's great. Well, that also, and I didn't write this down, but I'm fairly certain when I was, uh, I think it was the day before yesterday, I was looking through your book. One of the things was the to start every day like your book. And I, I 100% think that that's great advice for anybody trying to grow a business or do anything. Um, even when you're, you know, going well, when things are going well and you're successful in it, just having that mindset of it's a new day, it's a new business in a sense, as opposed to kind of just resting on, well, things are going well, they're just going to keep going well. Yeah, I got that years ago. I, I, I don't take credit for any of this, right? Somebody one time or another told me this, right? Right, right. So uh, way back in my realtor days, he used to have us do that because you can re- you can kind of rest on the successes in real estate, especially. You have a nice win. You can get very complacent. And I, I struggled with that with my students because we create huge paydays in our world right now. Our, our average paydays run from across the country, 45000 low to a high of two hundred fifty and up. I told you we have a three hundred coming up. So you, you do one deal like that and you're used to making 60, 70, 100 grand a year, it changes your mindset. It pushes you back complacency-wise. So instead I say, sort of keep your emotions between the lines. Never get bummed out. Never get too excited. Just stay level. And part of that is you get up tomorrow morning, nothing that happened today other than you building upon it. Yeah. Nothing that happened today matters. You go out and you create business and you build so that you don't have to keep creating in the future. Yeah, great, great advice. And, and I also... 
agree, like almost anything that we know, we've heard somewhere, right, to some point, and then we just kind of put them together that what what we need, um, which I think is what, how we learn everything. Uh, what about anything else? Like, I want to ask you, this is kind of on the, the more of the personal side, less about the real estate and the coaching, but writing the books, because like I said, yeah. I really like the format of, you know, how you've done this and what kind of time commitment, you know, how did you, you know, get started with that? Time commitment's a big one, more than I thought. Let me, let me say this. When I was in middle school with testing, they said I wasn't worthy of taking a language. They said, you got to be in reading class, they called it. It was like the special class. So you can bet that back then, as I think back, I labeled myself I, I, that I wasn't good enough and I had to be in this special class. Like literally they labeled you. You walked to the hall, they knew you were in that class. Right. So if you told my teacher then in me that I would write any book, a paper, let alone a book, they'd probably think you would, you'd be in a loony farm. So um, with that as a backdrop and context, it takes, yeah, it took a big commitment. Um, the first book I did in conjunction with Forbes books. So they walk you through sort of the protocol. So once I learned that our second book and our third was done by ourselves, And then we have a fourth one coming out this September sell with authority for the real estate investor, you know, how to, how to like be the person people want to go to in your area. Mm -hmm. So that's all done by ourselves. Now, it's different now. When I started that first book and it became a bestseller, I was by myself. I think the kids just started working for me. But then now I have a team. So right. it's a little bit easier. They they guide me. Again, just like the things you and I are talking about, I didn't make up any of this. They, they taught me how to do that format, you know? Right. So uh, I didn't really answer the time question. I forget how many hours. It, it, it's, it's like a year project from when you start with the idea all the way through. And there's great services that can fast forward you on that. But mentally and physical work, it's going to take a year of your life probably. Right, right. Well, that's good. Uh, I think that, that that's also good to say, I guess, that that's what it's going to take to do something of quality as well. You know, yeah. because, I mean, you mentioned before, some people will just sell. Like a lot of books are just 110% just a mar uh, advertising. You know, it's just marketing and right. just a, a teaser. So I think that's uh, important to see how much goes or recognize how much goes into really trying to put something quality to paper. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, how about something? Just give us something that you would like to everyone to know. I've, I've kind of dug on probably on the personal side there. I was a little bit selfish on this interview. I'd gone through some of the things that just stuck out to me when I was looking through and wanted to hear about those. But um, for you, what's something you'd like to share? Well, I said my three-step formula just to try to empower people. Look, our, our purpose as a company, literally, word for word, is that we empower individuals and families to create a life of their dreams. We just happen to do it inside of real estate. So again, I said earlier, I'm not so naive to think we're the only kind of show, meaning the only niche, but if you can get behind what we're doing, mm -hmm. I'm about free. I'm big on free. Like there's too much free stuff out there for you to not do your own due diligence for free. So I would love them to be able to go check out like the deals we're talking about. Jay. You can go to YouTube and mm -hmm. look at like 140 of them. It's yeah. free. Just right. we whiteboard the problems, the good, the bad. Just go camp out. And if you go, that's cool, then then I'll give you a free strategy call. We'll put a link in the in the show notes if you want, or I can say I'm happy yeah. to do that. Love to talk to your audience. Yeah, no, that's great. We'd love to we'd love to connect you. Um, if you could like send it over to us and we will put it in the show notes, but go ahead and throw it out there now if you'd like to. So uh, so it's smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash action. You'll get myself, my son-in-law, Zach, or Brian, our strategy expert. And, and here's a really good tidbit for everyone. Brian joined us about 17 months ago. That's it. 17 months, 25 years in corporate America, not seeing his son, being on a plane, all the stuff you don't want to do as corporate. 
Fast forward 17 months, he's done 760 some odd thousand dollars in deals, and that's through the learning curve. He'll do it faster now, and has become our strategy expert uh, in our on our team. So amazing story! Like, like if that's not enough reason to book a call at the slash action and talk to him and go, how the heck do you do that? That's a cool conversation to have, and it's free. So we'd love right. to do that with the audience. Awesome. No, I appreciate that. We'll definitely uh, put we'll put in the notes as well. Anyone who wants to be connected with Chris and doesn't remember that URL, for, if you're listening in the car or something, go to expertishpodcast.com and just go ahead and fill out, you know, send a message over to us and we'll get you connected, send you his contact information or any of the info to the website or the YouTube. But hey, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. And yeah, I just appreciate uh, what you've done here. I will definitely finish up these books now that I've kind of gotten into those. I appreciate you sending those and I may have more, I might be hitting you up for consults myself. So I look forward to talking to you hopefully in the future. Love it. Make sure you wear your um, Wicked Smart t-shirt this weekend. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.